0: Welcome to the Heard It Here podcast, the official podcast of Nebraska Cattlemen. Today, we welcome Representative Don Bacon with us to chat about current state of affairs of a number of topics important to Nebraska Cattlemen members. This is your first time on the podcast with us and our members, so welcome to the Heard It Here podcast.
1: Glad to be on, and and for the first time, I should have done it before. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, we're happy you're here now. So can you give us kind of a state of play? There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on in Washington, DC right now. We hear a lot of things being tossed around, a lot of really big votes, a lot of big dollar bills being voted on, and no pun intended with the big dollar bills, bills with big price tags yeah. being voted on. So can you kind of give us the state of play on the major bills going on or being voted on, excuse me, in Washington, DC and the major bills being discussed? Um, where kind of these are. So let's start with maybe the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act that was recently just voted on. Can you talk to us about what that is, uh, why it's important to Nebraska and, and kind of and how you voted on it?
1: Well, uh, thank you very much. And you're right, there's two big bills. And a lot of people in Washington are intentionally conflating the two in, a, in an effort for various reasons. But one, they were trying to defeat both. Whereas I think there's one good bill and one bad bill. And I think a lot of folks didn't have a good reason for voting against the infrastructure bill, so they intentionally tried to uh, conflate the reconciliation bill with this infrastructure bill. It's created lots of confusion, lots of disinformation, so I appreciate the opportunity to clear this up. So on the hard infrastructure bill, it was bipartisan. It was half Republican and half Democrats wrote this bill last spring. I was one of those folks on the on this problem Solvers Caucus, and we got the bill to about 90%. We had to do some give and takes. We had to get Democrat priorities and Republican priorities. That's how it works when you're trying to build a bill that's Republican and Democrat. The Senate took the bill and they got it to where they could get 60 plus votes to pass the filibuster. 19 Republicans voted for it, to include Deb Fisher and Chuck Grassley, uh, Mitch McConnell, 19 Republicans total. They passed it last August. And I think this is, was a good bill, not a great bill because we had to compromise to get this passed, but it was a good bill for our district. A good bill for Nebraska, a good bill for agriculture and ranchers, uh, and a good bill for our country. If so, the bill is on 1.2 trillion dollars, but 650 billion of that is the normal transportation bill. So it was just it was reauthorizing transportation uh, for quite a few few years out. So that's where there's some confusion there. Uh, the additional spending was 550 billion over five years, and it have, provides for and 20% of that goes to roads and bridges. We have other money going to airports, seaports, locks, rail. Uh, we're going to replace lead pipes uh, that are dangerous for, the water, for drinking water. Uh, we're hardening, hardening the electricity system, which we know there's some weaknesses there. And we're doing lots of rural broadband. All of this stuff's very important. Now, there's a few things I wouldn't have put in there, but it's a small part of the bill. Uh, in the end, this is important for our commerce, for our exports. I think it's also important for public safety. I'll just give you one example for commerce and exports. Our locks are 90 years old, and they're only one-third of the size of what Brazil is putting in in their country. So we can produce grain and protein products at the best price in the world, but if we can't ship them as as efficiently as other countries, we lose our competitive advantage. And that's why we need a, a good infrastructure system.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for giving us that explanation of the infrastructure bill. So you mentioned briefly the reconciliation bill that's also being discussed at this time. It has not been voted on, and you touched a little bit about how they're different, but can you give us some more details on the reconciliation bill? What's in that bill? Um, and any, any kind of, I guess, insight you want to share about that? Again, you you talked about it a little bit, but can you maybe take a deeper dive of what that bill is and um kind of what the path forward is for that one. You
1: know, it changes about every day. So it's hard to know what's exactly in it right now. Literally between Wednesday and Friday last week, 2,500 pages were replaced, right? And so, and they voted on the rules bill to bring it up for debate here in two weeks. Uh, 2,500 new pages from Wednesday to Friday (laughs) last week. So I'm just telling you, it's a (laughs) moving target. Uh, But what it really is, in summary, it's a giant welfare state bill. They're trying to transform America as a Bernie Sanders budget uh, priority, and that's what this is. And so also it involves about $1.7 trillion in new taxes. So it's a, really it's a, a welfare and tax bill. And it's, you know, if you listen to Bernie Sanders, President Biden, Speaker Pelosi, the goal here is to transform America. And they want to do it with a 50-50 Senate and a three-seat majority in the House right now. And by the way, Joe Biden won the presidency with two states. This is a cry from the voters to have a centrist governance, not a far-left transformational bill. So bottom line is this is a moving target. Uh, They can't get the moderate Democrats on there right now, and they haven't got Joe Manchin and and Kristen Sinema from the Senate on it. So it keeps changing to figure out how they're going to get there. What I'm really angered about with our leadership on the Republican side, they tried to defeat the infrastructure bill by saying it was this reconciliation bill, and this was not true. This bill is still being written. And the moderates, by, by voting on the infrastructure, but we just pulled the leverage away from the, the progressives. They were using this to hold it hostage to get this other bill passed. We've just strengthened the hand of Joe Manchin and Sinema over the liberals uh, in, in the House side. And so, but we'll see what in the end, what, what's made it in the final bill. But I can guarantee you, they want to get as much welfare and new government programs in that they can. And they got to get 50 votes in the Senate, 218 votes in the House to do it, right? And they're trying to figure out how to hold the moderates on here. Uh, But it's a giant welfare bill, and it's a giant tax bill when it's all said and done.
0: Okay, so the budget reconciliation process. So how important is this bill? Because right now we're under a continuing resolution, right, until the beginning of December. How important is not maybe just this bill exactly as it sits today or as it could be tomorrow? As you said, it changes um, daily, How important, though, is this to the budget process or a bill like this to the budget process if if this reconciliation bill is not agreed upon. You know that all parties can agree upon and probably not all parties will be happy with it at the end of the day, but get into a better spot is is this vital in. The budget process can it continue to mean for lack of a better phrase kick the can on the road when it comes to this budget reconciliation process and can we do another continuing resolution can you can you unpack that a little bit for our members.
1: Well, we'll fill some of the appropriations bills. And so the, the Senate and the House have put all their eggs, the leadership, the Democrat leadership, into this reconciliation process. And when you, when you do reconciliation, it, it prevents a filibuster. So that's, that's the bottom line. So they're trying to pass it with 50 votes out of there. And, it, and they put so much priority on it that the Senate has not even passed its defense bill. The House did back in September. And so they're hurting our country by not moving on to other business while they debate this other bill that I hope fails, but we have a, so our military is right now in a continuing resolution. That means they can't do any new starts on on contracts. They can't modify any programs they have for like aircraft buys. They're stuck with last year's budget. And that's because Schumer refuses to bring it up because he's trying to get this other bill passed. So our defense is being put on hold. I guarantee you Russia and China, they're not taking a vacation right now. And we need to be Moving forward, and we're not we're we're on neutral. And every bill, because a continuing resolution, but it really hurts us on the national security side. Uh, but again, this is a bad bill for America. They're operating as if they're Lyndon Baines Johnson in the 1960s uh, with the you know the Great Society programs, and they got a, they think they act like they got like a 70 seat majority in the House and like a 20 or 30 seat majority in the Senate. They do not. This this there is no mandate for a radical progressive policy. The mandate is for centrist governance right now. Okay,
0: cool. Well, thank you. This is a, it's a very convoluted, confusing process. And as you said, people are, um, often, you know, misconstruing what both of these bills are. Um, but well, it's very, it's difficult, disappointing to very that,
1: difficult. It's disappointing that even our own leadership trying to try to defeat the infrastructure bill used the reconciliation bill talking points. I was on the floor. They're saying there's 45 tax increases in the infrastructure bill. No, there's not. Not a single tax increase. There's no, you know, like taxing. I just got an email today. You're taxing cattle. No. That's, there's a provision in the reconciliation bill that they think maybe could be doing that. So methane tax, but there's nothing in that in the infrastructure bill. And I'll just tell you, it's 90% of everything out there. And it's, there's media outlets that are so-called conservative. I am a conservative that are saying this, and people believe it. So there's, so I really appreciate you helping clarify because the disinformation is unsettling. And this bill was actually a good bill.
0: Sure. And uh, on that note, in regards to the cow tax, we at the office have fielded many phone calls of people who have heard that the cow tax was in this bill, and or is the other bill, and just making sure people understand that who listen to this, and we've talked about this previously on a different podcast, uh, that the cow tax, tax, in fact, if we ask, you know, we have two factor crap buckets, it's in the crap bucket, where yeah. that uh, emissions fee is what it's written in, the reconciliation bill is in fact written so narrowly that can only be interpreted for, or at least at this point in time anyway, it can only be really interpreted uh, for uh, the energy industry, so...
1: That's my understanding, too. Yep.
0: That's my understanding as
1: well. By the way, here's another provision in this reconciliation bill. Hundreds of millions of dollars going to the IRS so that they can audit more Americans. Also, this $600 provision, it goes in and out. For, if you do a $600 check, uh, then the, you have to report it to the IRS. That's, that's gone in and out of the bill a few times. But I want to assure the listeners, all of this is not in the infrastructure bill. It's all in the reconciliation bill. But I have fielded hundreds of questions on that alone for the for the uh, infrastructure bill, and you know I, I, I'm angry at my own conservatives for disinformation on this. It's, it's, it's unsettling.
0: Well, we appreciate you helping us set the record So, you know, shifting gears a little bit from uh, the infrastructure bill and the reconciliation process uh, to another kind of a hot button item that we hear about a lot from our members, So obviously folks in the cattle industry for the last two plus years, we've talked uh, significantly about cattle markets and how that has been kind of the hot-button issue, but that narrative has somewhat shifted now over to labor concerns, whether it's labor concerns on our farms and ranches um, or anywhere along the supply chain. And so maybe can we just have a little bit of a conversation? So last Congress, you supported uh, some immigration reform efforts. Is there anything kind of on the horizon for this Congress or anything that you're working on in regards to immigration reform or labor?
1: Well, in the reconciliation bill, there is a proposal to give amnesty to 11 million or so folks, which is not supported by the vast majority of Nebraska. We want legal immigration uh, there, but that's where the Democrats are putting their eggs and uh, all the baskets is reconciliation bill. And people need to know there was, now we don't know that's going to pass the parliamentary test uh, that the Senate has, but right now that is the goal of the Democrats is to pass a mass amnesty for those who came here as adults. Uh, and so that, most Americans do not support that, obviously. And so I'm trying to maybe... Uh, More broadly, I have supported earlier in this election cycle or uh, Congress efforts to have a pathway for our DACA kids. You know, I've always said these kids came here as they came here as children because adults brought them. I think we should have a separate provision for DACA Uh, and about 70 percent of Nebraskans agree. Problem is it's caught up right now with all what we're seeing at the border. When the border is so hard broke, folks are really unwilling to try to fix what's already happened, because you need to, the average Nebraska will say, hey, I want to take care of DACA. Well, I got to do it in three years again if we don't fix what's going on at the border. And I understand that concern. Uh, we need to fix what's at the border. And this, by the way, the president is fully culpable for what's going on at the border. He changed three of President Trump's policies that secured our border. And basically, now you get 200,000 people here a month trying to cross illegally. So we do need to secure our border, but I also want to plan when the time's right to take care of our DACA youth, because they're here, they're going to our colleges, they're going to our high schools. They only know this country is their own home, and so I think we could do that. And I do support legal immigration, uh, improving our legal immigration. We need seasonal uh, labor for a lot of our farmers. Uh, we need uh, a mix of, I would say, low skill and high skill laborers in our country. You know, if we didn't have immigration, we would have a declining population, and would really limit our, our economic growth. And we see it. We have two percent unemployment in Nebraska right now, and yet forty nine percent of the companies are trying to hire. Right, so that, that's just a one, one example. So we know we need to make some adjustments here, but it's got to be legal immigration, and we need to know, we need to know who's coming in. And I support it.
0: Thank you very much. So is there anything else that you're working on that you kind of want to share with uh, the cattlemen members or cattlemen membership and others who who listen to the Heard It Here podcast? Well,
1: the, there's some. Bro- More broad issues that, we're, that I'm working on, maybe not just specifically tailored to cattle, but I know cattlemen also are concerned about national things that are beyond just a, you know ranching. So I'm working on several bills right now. One is a cybersecurity bill. As you know, the JBS had a cyber attack, uh, pr- probably from uh, criminal organizations in Russia. We had the Dominion was attacked, too, by the same organization. And so I have a cyber bill that passed out of committee, but probably passed the House here sometime in the coming month, that better delineates responsibilities from the government. Because right now there's so much confusion. It's one thing when our defense or our national security is attacked, we have very clear lines of authority. But when our private infrastructure gets attacked or private industry, there's lots of confusion. Who does what in the federal government? We need to get this squared away so people know who has what authorities and responsibilities when JBS gets attacked or Dominion gets attacked or our power companies get attacked, our financial sector gets attacked. So I have a bill that works on that, and that's important for the whole country. I'm also working on a foster care uh, provisions. I'm a two-time foster parent. We have 400,000 kids in foster care, and we need to do better. Uh, You know, these kids were not there for their own fault. Normally they got a mom and dad that's in prison or maybe drug issues, whatever it may be, but they need a best possible foster care system so they get a second chance at success. And so i got a couple bills out there trying to make improvements uh, there as well. You know, I put a lot of my interest in national security. I think we have a, a good defense bill this year that keeps our defense spending even with inflation. We're upgrading our nuclear inventory, which some of those silos are out in western Nebraska, where our ranchers are at. And uh, so I've, I've worked hard on that, we, and we're in a good spot now. But next year, we're going to have to do this again. And, and the Democrats and Joe Biden always talking about cutting our nuclear inventory and our defense. So we've we got to win this one year at a time. Finally, I'll just offer this in the ag area, I'm on the, I'm the ranking member in the nutritional and the oversight committee. And the concern I hear right now is uh, that, you know, the president unilaterally just raised food stamp spending by 25%. I don't think that was constitutional. We have the power of the purse. That has to come from Congress. So we need to get back our, our, our welfare programs back to pre COVID levels. And we need to get people back to work. About ten percent of our workforce left, and that's why we have such a shortage of workers right now. We need to get these folks back into the workforce. Our country needs them, but there's such a, a large plethora of federal funding out, and money out there. Uh, that's why we—that's the primary reason why we see ten percent out of the workforce. And we need to—we need to get back to normal, back to pre-COVID uh, economics.
0: Well, thank you for all that. Uh, So, again, for those of you listening, we have Representative Don Bacon joining us today. And to give a little levity to the situation, or not situation, to the conversation, I guess, um, you know, last name Bacon, and we have friends in the (laughs) industry. Um, But inquiring minds want to know two things. One, what's your favorite cut of beef?
1: Well, I'm a steak and a prime rib guy. Uh, But if I had to pick, uh, ribeyes are always good, and I like (laughs) T-bones. But I've my favorite kind of beef is medium rare. How's that? <laughs> oh,
0: perfect. And the other, the other, uh, the other question I guess inquiring minds want to know is is everything better with bacon?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Especially crispy bacon. <laughs> but, you know, the, best, well, the best steaks are wrapped with bacon and you got the best of both roles.
0: I will 100% agree with you on <laughs> that one. So, thank you again to our listeners for joining us on this episode of the Heard It Here podcast, the official podcast of Nebraska Cattlemen. I'm Ashley Coles, Vice President of Government Affairs for Nebraska Cattlemen. And again, we're joined by Representative Don Bacon to talk about all the things going on in Washington, DC right now. For more episodes of the Heard It Here podcast, visit the Nebraska Cattlemen's website at www.nebraskacattlemen.org.